This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family so to get your own active skin repair go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20 percent off your order when you use the code shameless that's activeskinrepair.com use the code shameless for 20 percent off your order activeskinrepair.com code shameless This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 853 with Nadia Davis. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 853. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Nadia Davis is a mom, attorney, victim's rights advocate, kundalini yoga instructor, and the author of Home is Within You, a memoir of recovery and redemption, and she has a podcast of the same name. She is a survivor of trauma and abuse, a near-fatal car accident, addiction, and public shaming. Nadia has a lifetime record of passionate work and dedication to improving the lives of others. She has received numerous awards for her work, including the John F. Kennedy Jr. Service Award. Nadia works for justice in keeping moms with their kids while seeking treatment and for more compassionate methods of treatment and restorative justice. She also has a BA from UCLA and a JD from Loyola Law School. I love this conversation with Nadia. We dig into a lot of sensitive subjects though. So just a little bit of a content warning. We do dig into sexual trauma, addiction, and suicidality in this episode. So if that is not something that you feel you can face today in terms of what you're taking in. This might not be the right episode for you for today or maybe not ever, and that is absolutely okay. So I want you to make sure that you're consenting before you listen to this episode. Nadia is someone who has endured so much in her life and the way that she's able to reflect back her experiences and also talk about what she learned from those experiences as well as how she was able to heal from those experiences is significant and unique and really, really important. I think that you're going to connect with Nadia in various ways in terms of how she talks about her experiences, but I think you're also going to be really interested and maybe learn a thing or two that you can apply to your own life when she starts to talk about how she was able to start healing. So listen in to hear Nadia share her young life of seeking acceptance and assurance as the youngest of seven children, how her lack of safety as a child led to her narrow zone of tolerance as an adult, how she was forced to face her childhood trauma after enduring public shaming, blackmail, and addiction, the steps that she took to start healing, and simple steps anyone can incorporate to start a healing practice. And lastly, she talked about how to build a home within that gives us the personal autonomy that is often or maybe almost always missing from our lives. This is a special conversation. Nadia is a special person, and I'm so excited to share her with you. So with all that, please join me in welcoming Nadia Davis to the Shameless Mom Academy. 
Nadia, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so delighted to have you here and excited to jump into this conversation. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. This is going to be good. I can tell from our pre-interview, we could have talked for an hour before we ever hit record. So right? I'm going to start you where we start everyone and ask you to share a little bit more about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now. I am most excited about the relationships in my life that get to trigger all the core wounds that I now am aware of that separate me from my true self and from others. So my relationships and then helping others, totally helping others build a home within them. It all like merges together. And so, yes, I have a podcast. Yes, I had a book come out earlier this year, but all of it coming together and just in everyday life, being real, living the work is what I'm most grateful for. I love it. I love it so much. And I'm excited to dig into your story. I always look forward to conversations that are very real and authentic and transparent, which I know that that's right where your work lives. But I also want to honor in advance of having those kinds of conversations that like we're digging into big stuff and hard stuff. And so thank you in the way that you already gave permission for this conversation when you were in our pre-interview and then also the things we were talking about when we were collaborating via email in terms of kind of what the flow would be like for this interview. We're going to dive into trauma and addiction and all sorts of things that we go to a lot on this podcast, but they're never Mm -hmm. light and easy. So with Mm -hmm. all that, can you start us off with talking about your story of survival from your childhood and up until where we're at right now in terms of big moments that deeply impacted your life? Yes. And thank you for the opportunity. I think the hardest thing for me as a child was not understanding how my mind worked and believing I was a, a body and my thoughts And from an early age on, things happened that reaffirmed that, reconfirmed that. And, you know, when we don't have adults that can breed healthy attachment, that look us in the eye and say what's really going on in there, it creates the opposite, a breeding ground of an outside focus on. So my childhood is very much seeking worthiness and seeking love through everything outside me. I'm the youngest of seven children, very busy household, seven kids in nine years. Wow. And my parents each have amazing survival stories themselves. And so in their survival modes, they raised us. I can get into their stories, but I think in general, the a sexual molestation as a child and some racial bullying as a child landed me growing up And then continuing throughout my adult life with this focus on approval from everything outside me that created like an angst running to standstill mode where I did not feel safe and calm in my body. And there was a ton of adult trauma. I don't know how much you want me to get into you. I'll focus on my childhood. I would love for you to talk about the adult stuff in your adulthood. I mean, whatever you want to dig into from your childhood, but I would love to if you want to go into that, you absolutely can. I want to typically what we see and what we know is that the things that happen to us in our childhood often are what leads us into the things that happen to us in adulthood. And I think your point around not feeling safe in your body and seeking acceptance. And so when those things happen at a really young age, that's going to really impact how you show up as an adult and then how things how the cards fall from there. So wherever you want to go with any of that, I'm open to. Well, the general infrastructure of my brain as a child was that I had no healthy attachment. And so what we do, I've learned the hard way is that we, I had very little zone of tolerance as an adult. And when as a child, we don't learn to run to guardians or those that can provide a safe and calm place. I learned to really manage on my own, not knowing my mind was survivalist in nature Mm -hmm. through everything again, as I said, on the outside. And I was a very, very high achiever. And from an early age on, I sought out to save the world. So it was, you know, canned food drives. It was Amnesty International. This is all during high school. It was the basketball homecoming queen, um, modeling, a lot kind of activist work to make the world a better place. And now I know it was an eating disorder when things were getting difficult within the home. Again, not knowing 
how my mind worked. It was like, what can I control? I now understand that now. And so I would limit my eating, had a close boyfriend. And so high achiever, a boyfriend, and this addiction and controlling my eating were kind of the boilerplate that I entered into college. After feeling that I had gotten past all of that in college, I experienced a violent rape and it reconfirmed all the beliefs that were imprinted as a little girl. So this isn't literal. This stuff happens very subtly. When I wrote is when all of this kind of came out as well as in trauma therapy. And it was a core belief you know, a fear of abandonment, a belief that I was just a body and my mind, and I was only lovable through what I did and how I looked. And that all of that was reconfirmed as a result of the violent rape, because I could not connect to my own feelings. I could not reach out to somebody for help and disassociated. Well, what does that mean? It means I controlled my eating. It means I made my goals higher. It means I woke up in the morning and had my to-do list to save the world. And that worked. In college, I was a sociology major with a specialization in juvenile justice. And so all of my passions for human rights, civil rights, in a good way, you know, it fed this longing to heal my heart and my soul with doing good in the world. And that's a good thing. I think it becomes a problem when it's to an extreme and it results as it did for me in lack of self-care and lack of real connections with people. It was like a little workaholic, you know, to save the world. As long as I do this and create this project, then I'm lovable. Everything's okay. I um, entered that way into law school following in my father's footsteps. My father was an orphan field worker who overcame multiple challenges and was really my hero and became one of the first Spanish-speaking lawyers and first Native American and Hispanic lawyers in the Southwest. And he founded the Hispanic Bar Association, the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, and was a total bridge builder between political parties on issues. And so I was inspired by him. My mom grew up in the war in Germany, experienced some abuse, and her parents being in the war, she, just like my father, was also raised in this survival mode and raised me in that way, very kind of unattached to our feelings, unattached to theirs, unable to, you know, teach us about self-awareness, about the fact that we're not bodies and minds, we're infinite spirits. Yes, we had religion, but what did I do? I modeled my father. I went to law school. I'll never forget the day I called him and told him I was accepted to Loyola Law School. And then at the beginning of my second year of law school, I felt like I had it all together, you know, achieving all these accomplishments. And I thought I had the rest of my life completely in front of me. And he abruptly died of a heart attack playing basketball. And there was no opportunity to prepare. There was no, it was very shocking. And the memory of just seeing his body versus the soul and the human being that I knew who was very warm, very intelligent, just this aura of a human being that represented the good in the world to me. The one-on-ones weren't a whole lot. My mom represented perfectionism and hard work and my father, this warmth, this love, this good and justice in the world. And so after that, I was going to drop out and then the will in me the little Nadia that wanted to save the world and carry on my father's spirit through the law came in to play again in a good way. And I stayed in law school. I moved back with my mom, who was very incapacitated because of it all, and continued to save the world even more. I was very active, again, in like the Public Interest Law Foundation, transcribing law books for a blind student and a study abroad of human rights and international law. And that really carried me through those years. My drinking, the depression away began. I could not process my father's death. It was very, very shocking. And I never surrendered. I never surrendered to feeling the loss 
would just cry alone in the car on the way to law school every day. And there was one friend who I I eventually could cry with. I mean, we would open up a bottle of wine and sit on the kitchen floor and I would just sob and cry. And she wrote a song called The Legacy of This World Is You. And a couple years, a few years after my father passed, she was then diagnosed with terminal cancer and took her last breath in front of me. And it just, again, was another loss that I never processed. I didn't know how to process. My mom was never the same after my father passed, so I didn't have that to go to. And this sense of a what I call a home within me just wasn't present. Within me, I was restless. I would reach for a drink. I would criticize myself. And what I've learned now recently is shame is really like the secret belief that we're defective. And that was reinforced during that time because that was the belief I had as a child. And so any struggle, any depression I had, I kept with myself. That on the outside started serving me very, very well. I was elected to the school board in the city my father grew up in and began representing a kid that was wrongfully convicted. Mm -hmm. Following in his footsteps, I became the family spokesperson and just got award after award, the up-and-comer, the senator-to-be. And in the midst of all of that, I a big rig hit my car and it flipped the car three times into an embankment, landed upside down, and I was not breathing when they found me and had 22 broken bones, a punctured lung, my brain bled. And the irony of that situation, of that experience is when you have a near-death experience, you are in a space that explains everything. It's You can't describe it, but it's like past, present, and future all at the same time. Everything made sense. There were souls with me, including my father's and my children's that had yet to be born. And it just was a place where I did not want to leave. Yet when another's breath is forced inside you, and then you're hooked up to a machine, which I was for, to morphine for over a month and you can't move, you have such physical pain, the same message was repeated. It's like, you're just a body, you're a failure. In the rehabilitation hospital, when I started coming to a month after and they lowered the meds, it was vehement messages repeated like that. Just, you're not only damaged because you were molested and raped, you're now disabled. Everyone will forget you in the community if you don't fight and get back on your feet. So if I had known my mind works in that way, I could have done that at a measured level. But what happened was this kid was still behind bars. I was free. I couldn't walk. You put free in air quotes for our listeners who can't see because yes, like not free, not feeling free, but like walking free or, you know, navigating the world as a free person but feeling very held hostage, it sounds like, by a lot of layers of your life. By a lot of layers of my life, as well as now physically. Yeah. I had to learn to walk again. And Arthur Carmona, the kid, it's an amazing story. His whole story and fight for freedom is in Home is Within You, as well as my father's. And that has a point I'll make towards the end, that he had his mom buy and deliver a beanie baby named Hope that was next to the seat in the hospital And so in a good way, that gave me hope. That gave me, again, the will that is great in our mind. We don't want to bash that our mind is survivalist in nature, Mm -hmm. but it can go to an extreme when you've had traumas, you know. And so in that mode, it was, I'm going to get back. I'm going to prove I'm the same. I'm going to free this kelp, free this kid. I had secured a top law firm and investigator and was kind of the gopher in the community, getting, raising funds, getting declarations and things like that. So I went back to the school board and home in a wheelchair. And within a, you know, months I was out of the wheelchair and within a year I was in my heels receiving more awards. The kid was eventually freed thanks to Sidley and Austin and Deborah Munns Park and Dana Parsons with the LA Times that took the case apart. And I had my whole life ahead of me. I walked into a Democratic Party event where the attorney general was giving a speech and made a plea for an issue facing our school district and turned around and he ended up tracking me down and we met. 
I thought it was a policy discussion. He handed me a rose and I went on a date. A drug was exposed. I got pregnant and Mm. I was asked to be married on the phone. He tried to do the right thing and I thought I was doing the right thing. And so I did not know some underlying things that were going on at all because, again, I was in a survival mode, very detached to the trauma triggers, very detached in my body because of the physical pain. And I married and moved up north and that was a whole nother phase. So This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. I want to go back to the date again to make sure that I'm clear and our listeners are clear. So you said you went on this first date and a drug was exposed and then you got pregnant. So you were drugged during that date and a pregnancy resulted in that situation. Yes. And I have shame saying that because I am the one that chose to take a drug and have a couple of drinks before that. And my marriage was definitely plagued with not understanding where the accountability lied and in self-blame and that turned into resentment that turned into just self-destructive depression. And I had to first put the accountability where it lay in a healthy way and eventually separate from my husband, yet not pick up a drink, not have resentment come out for what I felt was a fraudulent marriage for like saving him publicly. And also just to focus, I focused solely on all the positive. 
my children's father is a good man and father. And like me, he was merely longing for love in those moments. He was merely longing for connection. And that is basically what our focus is today in the co-parenting. It's not about falling into fears and judgments of each other. It's seeing that we were both doing the best we can. We were either crying for love or giving it. And at that time, though, yes, that is what happened. It's how I responded to it that became a problem after that. And then the way I'm responding to it today, that is very different. Can you talk a little bit about those two different kinds of responses and what, and that shift to start healing yourself? So in the beginning of the marriage is a very good example. I focused on the absolute blessings of our oldest son, Diego. The moment I found out I was pregnant, I knew that child was meant to be and fought for that child. The whole story is in the book, but I focused on the blessings of you know, being married and all the ways that Bill, who was attorney general at the time, was changing his life. He never had had like a type of family. He had a daughter whose relationship grew stronger after that, but he really fell in love with Diego and I, although he had told me he loved me before I got pregnant, very like on the first date, but me and my unhealthiness longed for love, longed for acceptance so much that I believed that in a drug state. I focused on being the perfect mom, being the perfect wife, fulfilling this public role where my life changed overnight. I left my family and friends down south, moved up north, and was isolated in this home. So the unhealthy patterns were focusing again on everything outside me, on the perfect mom, the perfect wife, showing up after loneliness all day in my suit and tie or in my gala dress, just fulfilling my husband's needs and role and desires. The unhealthy part had me not reaching out to build friendships because I was worried about being a public couple. I was worried, you know, nothing I was just worried. It's different when you live in that life and you walk into Ralph's or Starbucks and you're not a private person when the CHP drives you everywhere. And it fed really into that you are just a body and you are your thoughts because I hadn't built that spiritual connection and home within me. I began having flashbacks when our oldest son was about three. And in the midst of that, I began managing, I believe, alcoholically. The flashbacks related to intimate moments with my husband and a childhood molestation. And he, in his own inability to know how to respond, responded in ways that just triggered me more. And, you know, I would hide in the closet as a little girl. Those same senses of being in a room alone with a doctor or hiding in a closet were this visual and this psychological understanding of me and the rest of the world. And so in that mode, I got a job. I was executive director of the Alameda County Family Justice Center under the auspices of the Alameda County District Attorney, loved that position, and then ran for higher office. In this, give me my energy drink, the drinking stopped or lowered considerably. Give me my energy drink, give me my ibuprofen, give me the to-do list. And let me be with my son. You know, <laughs> it continued that way. And when I believe the drinking became a problem, I noticed it. This was the healthy part of me. I noticed that I needed help for depression and drinking and reached out to Kaiser, went to Kaiser and my unawareness of, again, the core beliefs from trauma that I'm unworthy, fear of abandonment, that I had to be perfect to get love fed into my seeking the affection, the understanding, a peer support in a gentleman there. My husband and I decided to separate that at the same time I was getting help, we would go to counseling because the flashbacks and his responses in unhealthy ways was getting, was building tension. We needed outside help, just like I needed outside help. So he began living in Sacramento and I got closer to a peer that was in the program and began an intimate relationship. And that person ended up taking personal photos of us without my knowledge 
and then blackmailed us. I disclosed everything to my husband at the time. We decided to try again under the same roof and we were blackmailed. It was unbeknownst to me initially. It was my husband that received a CD and what appeared to be like a ransom note. And I was unaware. I just was getting random threats and texts. You're going to go viral. I tried to block this person. It kept being another number. And it just further isolated me into more of a psychological terror and horror that was way deeper than the organic, the kind of core infrastructure from childhood. I have a question. I can't imagine as someone who has some similarities and wanting to be accepted and like wants public reassurance around that or appreciates public reassurance Mm. around that. I'm imagining having someone expose something that you did that would could potentially compromise your family or bring shame to your family is like the absolute worst case scenario for someone who needs, wants, yearns for acceptance so deeply. So it absolutely makes sense that this would send you into a deeper trauma response or tailspin or psychological you know, struggle than some of these other things that were very, very traumatic, but it was the, gonna bring shame to your the worst trauma I ever went through. And the reason is that it was one of the first times, it was the first time separate from my friend Priscilla that passed, that I did what I thought was the right thing, that I reached out to a peer and mm-hmm. in as a deer, you know, with headlights in its eyes and my naivety in trusting people, I hear I disclosed, I reached out about my struggles and I disclosed heartache about losing a child. That was another thing that happened. My brother attempted to take his life under our roof and we lost a child all in the year prior to this. Arthur Carmona was hit by a car and killed. Mm-hmm. So that was bam, bam, bam. When prior to then the alcohol increasing, prior to then reaching out to Kaiser to get help. I forgot to mention that's really important. So it was like, I couldn't keep up. Finally, I reached out to professional help. And finally, I reached out to a peer who happened to be a sociopath, at least in the description of the district attorney and psychiatrist. So I think the most traumatizing part to get to your point, yes, it was the need for the outside approval and But it really was the need for love. I responded to that and that I reached out in the most authentic, real, vulnerable way I could. And then that was flipped on me, that that was used. And it's making me emotional now. I think all of this goes back to had I built that safe and calm place within me Hmm. for the original trauma so that then I could do that with the adult trauma. And that is the journey of building a home within you. That's why the book is titled Home is Within You. The worst part about that experience was it didn't remain there. He went to the press and certain member of the press obtained pictures. And when I was in a moment of desperation in threats from that person, I responded and thought they were the only person that could help me, thought that there were other people threatening the blackmail, because that's psychologically what he convinced me of. And I met this person when I saw a moment of truth in his eyes and I thought he was helping me. I was assaulted violently and suffered a concussion and grave bodily injury and strangulation. After that point, the press, the threat came true because he knew I knew the truth. And the photos were published. As I went into help, I went into addiction and trauma treatment. While I was there, the press had a heyday. Mm -hmm. That was when I became suicidal. And I hate to have to mention that, but if I can recover being at a point where everything on the outside is not recognizing the truth of suffering, of human suffering, and then that I was not recognizing my own and be at the place that I am at today, standing up against public shaming, dragging shame out of the shadows and transforming it into power, and then having the sense of a home within me that I get to help my children build, anyone can do it. Anyone can. From there on out, it took a good decade. took about seven years to switch the focus from proving I am the good person I am, I am the good mother I am, to the outside world, 
to turn, it was really seven years to get to, okay, little Nadia, <laughs> yeah. let's bring you out and let's do the trauma mm-hmm. therapy. Mm-hmm. It's really all about that initially. That's, we got to go back to the beginning yeah. to create a new end is what, how I describe it. So can you talk about, and you just kind of started moving right into this, which is perfect. So I've actually done some therapy work where it is going back to like, and for me, it's going back to eight-year-old Sarah and like, what didn't happen when eight-year-old Sarah really needed safety? Like what didn't happen then? And like, can you go back and sit in that moment, which is so not fun. Like, I just get mad. I'm like, I'm just mad at any therapist that like wants to invite me to sit with that eight-year-old <laughs> self. I just immediately am very mad at right. that person, but it really requires going back to that and having a lot of compassion and empathy for that very, very young version of yourself. And then, you know, really shifting your perspective around what you endured or how you move forward from that moment or season and who did or didn't take care of you in spite of maybe even good intentions. And I think it's not like a fun or easy invitation for anyone to walk into that. So can you talk a little bit about like that piece being so necessary, but what else can people do to start to cultivate that home within them? If they're maybe not ready for that big piece, that kind of does feel like a leap and maybe they're not even into that place of getting professional help yet where they're needing to start cultivating, finding and identifying with that home within in order to keep moving forward in life. Wow. There's three different things that I want to share. Um, One relates to how I got comfortable in trauma therapy. Two relates to how breath work and the use of sound and kundalini yoga were what I needed to start to build calm in my body to then invite little Nadia in. And then third is how mothering moments today provide constant opportunity to replicate what I am doing within myself for my little girl with then my children. Being a mother has been the biggest blessing of transforming the shame that we might feel. And if we're triggered in a moment, if our children are doing something that others are watching and we're feeling ashamed, it's to say, okay, well, I know what that's coming from. So I'm going to look my child in the eye and give them what I needed, what's really going on. And let's take some deep breaths. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But I would not be able to do that at all today without having begun that journey. And I love your question. For me personally, in trauma therapy, it was overwhelming. And I followed the guidance of the professional in Maybe it was the paperwork. Maybe it was listing the events. I followed their advice because I was so overwhelmed. I didn't know where to start. Now, separate from that, in my own time, I had to learn to feel calm in my body. And the more and more that I just sat down and I just was, it's like, just be Nadia. You don't have to do your to-do list. You don't have to show up in any way. Little Nadia, you are enough. You are so much more than enough. That's what I did to just sit down and just be. And I'm quoting again, just be. (laughs) Yeah. And some people may use breath. I highly encourage that. There's no right or wrong way. But for me, it was closing my eyes and just taking deep breaths in through my nose and then exhaling through my mouth, sometimes audibly. So it was like, you know, just audibly. I remember those days initially when I could not even begin the therapy and I would find myself, you know, in the closet. I would find myself in that frantic place that when we are trauma survivors and all of us are in some way, all of us have that imprint from childhood about how we relate to the world and each other. So when we can get there, embrace it, not beat ourselves up for being in that moment, but just embracing the little girl and breathing. That was how I did it first. And what has that looked like since then? A home within to build it. I view it with my eyes closed as a center in this body, in this mind, where I have mindfulness on one side and on the other side, I build my spiritual connection. It could be your connection to nature. It could be to what we call in the program, a higher power. It could be to what we call in Kundalini Yoga, the ek, everything and anything. It's just the doer of everything. 
or it can be a God. On the right, I know now that my mind is survivalist in nature. And like, what do I mean by that? Most of my thoughts and most of everybody's is fear and judgment based. And to stay grounded in Everyone that- feels very called out right now. <laughs> yeah, totally yeah, it's right. fear and judgment based. And, you know, so in this home, in this center where I am confident in my body and my mind, because- I not only have a higher power, but I'm going to be mindful. I call that the home and the center. If I am, you know, here centered, I consider it separate from me. My thoughts are not me. I can see when they're fear and judgment based. And when those fear and judgments pop up, I mean, it could be like I'm late to drop off my kids to school. (laughs) It could be I'm walking into a meeting where an ex is and they're gossiping and all kinds of stuff comes up. I mean, I've just made that up, but it's like, it could be something so pointed to the heart versus a practical chore where Mm -hmm. really the thought is based on fear of rejection or fear of not meeting your roles. It's all that longing for acceptance, longing for love and that lack of self-worth. When we can see or pocket it in a fear or a judgment, judgment of self and especially judgment of others, I can keep it right there. And not let it take a train ride, (laughs) not let it take a train ride. And that's where I go, okay, little girl, (laughs) or to my child, what are you afraid of? Where is this judgment of your brother or your judgment of self coming from? I know it's my mind trying to help me survive that our mind survivalist. That's just how our brains work. We can't stop it. We can just become aware of it. And when there's shame and like, I can't shut my mind off, transform that shame into no, but I'm aware I'm empowered. Mm. I'm aware. And in that space in the middle, it's like the more breath work, the more breath work I do. And the more that it's just like chilled out, the stronger the spiritual inspiration and wider intuition comes. And it just is like this beautiful combo of things that more and more and more today, there's clarity, there's this calm and sense within myself. Kundalini yoga helped with that a lot because of the use of mantra and breath work and just the technology of it with mind, body, spirit. And I think it's like a godsend and everybody should try it. And I do teach those classes also. So if anyone's interested. This episode is supported by Earn In. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn now can be in your hands today with Earn In. Earn In is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Super, super easy to use. You just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck. Then you can access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. So the app is free. You can leave a tip if you want. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So here's the thing. Sometimes getting close to your next paycheck, next pay period, and you realize, oh gosh, like paycheck doesn't come until next Friday, but we have this event that we need to attend this weekend and we need money for it. Or we have to buy a gift for someone. Or, oh my gosh, like my kid tore through their shoes and now we have to buy new shoes this weekend and the money's not in the bank yet. So Earning can help you access the money you've already earned at work by giving you this little bit of money in advance. So make Earnin part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security, and it gives me a lot of peace of mind. So for our listeners, all you need to do is download Earn In today. It's spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, and you can download it in Google Play or the Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in Shameless Mom under podcast when you sign up. So there'll be a little place where you can, where it says, what podcast did you hear about them on? Type in Shameless Mom under podcast. This helps to show support for our show and our advertisers. Earn In is a financial technology company, not a bank, and subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust member FDIC. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. 
I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. I feel like you just created space for to give people some sim- simple things that anyone can start right now. When I say simple, I don't necessarily mean easy, mm-hmm. but things that most people have some sort of access to. Say all people have some sort of access to, whether you know it's breath work or kundalini yoga. And say and- home is within you when you're breathing. And that alone, doing that alone for several months, home is within me, home is within you. We'll get some sense of a, of ownership, yeah. of autonomy, of like an empowering feeling that you are the owner of your mind and your body, not anybody else. Your true self is right there. And nothing anybody has said or done, including yourself, has changed that. Our true selves are like unchanged. I think that the way women are socialized and then traumatized by socialization, (laughs) whether we've had like really specific traumatic events and instances, as you have given examples of across your life, or we've maybe not had those really specific pointed moments of traumatization, but we've been socialized in a way that we are just like by default told that we're less than and not enough, which is like pretty mm-hmm. much any woman socialized in the United States of America and mm-hmm. pretty much almost yes. any culture for that right. matter. And I think that when we can, that only leads to what you mentioned, this the fear and the judgment, like the constant fear and judgment that is internalized that we maybe don't even like oftentimes I think is very subconscious. And when we can start to give ourselves mantras, exactly like you said, home is within this taking back of power that has either been stolen from us through trauma or maybe never even given to us because we were socialized. Right. And it gives us, is able to um, reestablish power that we maybe didn't know that we either didn't know we didn't have, or we knew we didn't have it. And we didn't know how to, like, we've just, instead of being able to harness it or look for it and find a way to bring it within, we instead have been constantly reacting to Mm -hmm. the world in terms of how the world expects us to show up or needs us to show up. Right. It's a constant survival mode because women's struggles in particular are so shamed on top of that belief you mentioned that we're lacking or we are inferior. And I think the movement now has to be, and homeless within you is definitely a statement, an advocacy for autonomy and especially privacy and parenthood and all of that and keeping families together. But this relates to women specifically because our power, like you said, it lies always in our sense of autonomy over ourselves. And that is the home within because the society will continue to spread all these different beliefs into our heads. And then when we struggle trying to meet those beliefs, then we'll be shamed. You know, I was so brutally shamed in the public eye for a mental health and addiction problem, trying to manage a psychological terror. And when we can choose love for others, when can we do that? We have to start within ourselves. And I believe it is the female energy that is starting that change in the world as mothers and just as women and anybody that identifies as female or in the female light, that truly, truly is, I think, a movement of love that we have to love ourselves, create that sense of autonomy and home within us, then our responses will change the world. Oh my goodness. We could talk about this for so much longer. This is so good. I so appreciate how you shared your story so transparently and with so much vulnerability, Nadia. And I'm also so grateful for the work that has come out of that, that Mm -hmm. is now able to impact our audience, of course, but everyone who reads your book. So where can people get Home is Within You, a memoir of recovery and redemption? And then where can people follow you and connect with you in online spaces? 
You can get a free band shame tip sheet that has 10 mantras that you can use while you're doing some breath work and a link to purchase the book wherever books are sold and a link to the podcast, Home is Within You, Transforming Shame into Power. All of that at www.nadia-davis.com and or at my Instagram page, the link tree link, it's at Nadia Maria Davis. Nice. YouTube channel, Home is Within You, but all of those links are on my website. Perfect. So we will link up everything in the show notes. I have your social media links here and your website already. So we will link everything in the show notes. Your podcast is also called Home is Within You. Home is within you, transforming shame into power. Got it. Thank you. And so we will put that in the show notes as well. People can go to shamelessmom.com, click on the episode with Nadia Davis and get everything right there. All linked up. Nadia, I final love question. the work oh. you do. Oh, I thank you. I am so happy that, that you interviewed me. I love the work you do and you're an inspiration. Oh, thank you so much. Can you tell us in one sentence how you're currently showing up as a shameless mom before I let you go? I'm currently showing up as a shameless mom by taking care of the little girl within me so I can be present for my kids. I love it so much. In my home within. I love it. Thank you, Nadia. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast.